Welcome to the Learning to Write podcast. My name is Jason Brooks. I am your host every week. This is a podcast for aspiring or beginning writers. It's a place for you to come to learn some of the tips and tricks that uh, veteran writers or even beginning writers have learned on their journey to writing. And I am ecstatic today to welcome my second guest, Uh, I have known this person for over five years. We have been in the trenches together. We both served on the same writing team uh, and worked for the same company. And I can honestly tell you that he was one of the people that I wanted to be very first on this podcast. Uh, I have met a lot of writers in my day uh, and I have worked with some really good communicators in my day, but there are a few that I have met that are as good or better than my friend Jesse Barnett. Uh, Jesse is one of the most insightful, intelligent, inspirational, and authentic writers and communicators that you'll ever come across. He's done a variety of work that I'll let him talk about here in just a second. But I, I want you to pay attention, especially if you're a beginning writer, because Jesse's had a very interesting journey and he has worked very hard to get to where he is today. And one of the things that um, I want you to listen out for are the ways that he has not only reinvented himself, but he's kept himself in the chair. If you listen to last week's episode with Jake Decker, we talked about that was one of the keys to being successful in writing is you have to stay in the chair in order to get something on the page. And Jesse definitely knows what it means to stay in the chair. So I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to let Jesse tell you a little bit about himself, a little bit about his writing journey thus far, and then we'll uh, kind of take it from there. We'll eventually get to the big five, the big idea, and the connections. But Jesse, welcome to the Learning to Write podcast. Uh, I am ecstatic to have you on. And like I said, if you'll just give our listeners a little uh, glimpse about your journey as a writer and how you got to where you're at today and uh, what you find have found interesting about your journey. Man, well, thank you so much. I appreciate that, uh, that intro. That is, it's interesting to hear how other people see you. So you're always a great encourager and I really do appreciate that. It's, it's, uh, true. We've been in the trenches together and kind of fought some battles and, um, it's definitely, you need somebody in your corner like that. Every writer needs an encourager and every writer needs somebody to just believe in them. You know, if, if you don't, it's easy to not believe in yourself. And so definitely appreciate that. That was a wonderful introduction. Um, yeah, so a little bit about me. So I'm a rare Atlanta native. There's not too many of us, but I actually was born <laughs> born in Georgia and lived here my whole life. Um, and as Jason, as you said, I have a kind of a weird story to get to where I am. Um, I, I grew up actually blue collar doing carpentry work. So my dad was a carpenter. And so all through high school and college, I did residential trim carpentry work. And so I've always been a craftsman. I've always been somebody that that creates and that takes, you know, disconnected things and brings them together. And when I, when I decided what I wanted to do for college, I really didn't know other than that I wanted to help people. And I, I went to school, went to UGA, got a degree in business because it felt like a, a lot of opportunity ahead. I could do a, a variety of different things and went into a career in sales for a number of years and ended up walking away from that and going back to school to seminary to, uh, ironically, <laughs> ironically, I went to seminary because I wanted to write and I thought nobody would take me seriously because I didn't have the the chops. And so I kind of went back to school to, to learn how to have something to say, which is probably not the best plan in the world, <laughs> but you know, we all take our own path. Um, and then after I did that, I started teaching for a bit. I taught in adult education and did some kind of life skills stuff with some at-risk youth. And then ultimately I became an official professional writer um, about five years ago and started actually writing and earning my paycheck in writing. Uh, But all along the way, I had been writing and blogging, kind of doing my own thing, honing my craft. But it was a very weird path for sure to get to where I'm at today. One of the things that I love about your story, and you you touched on it, um, 
you know, it took you a while to realize that, hey, writing is, is my thing. This is what I want to do. But that creativity, that uh, craftsmanship has always been there. Give me just a, a little bit about how have some of the lessons that you learned? Because when you did the blue collar work, you were working under your dad, mm-hmm. um, which is in itself a very unique relationship to have had. What are some of the lessons that you learned under him about creativity and problem solving and seeing things differently that maybe have carried over and influenced the way that you write? That's a great question. And one of the things that immediately comes to mind. Um, so my dad, my dad passed away about six years ago. Um, and he and I were real close. And and you're right, Jason, because sometimes fathers and sons don't always work well together, but he and I had a fantastic working relationship. And I can remember my dad would used to say, when he would introduce himself to somebody, he would say, I'm a trim carpenter by trade. And my dad went to a four-year carpentry apprenticeship. He was from Detroit and he, he learned carpentry from, you know, framing, building houses all the way down to the very finish work that we did. And I can remember asking him one day, I said, why do you always say that, Dad? And he said, because a trim carpenter is the last person that touches something before it's finished. And, you know, we would go into a, to a house and we would hang crown molding. We would trim out the windows. We would hang the doors. We would build mantles and bookcases and stairways and handrail, all of that finished stuff that you see. And he taught me precision. And one of the things that you know, we would do when we'd work is we trim carpenter, you have to be precise, you have to get to within a 16th of an inch, and you have to make things look tight, and the joints have to fit nicely together. And all those pieces and parts have to come together. Because unlike framing, say, it's not hidden by sheetrock, it's it's right out there, everybody's going to see it. So I really have taken that lesson to heart. Um, Sometimes probably too much, honestly, because you can strive for perfection. And it's kind of like the joke, nothing's ever finished. It's just published. You can always, with writing, you can always go back and find something, you know, whether it's an hour later or a day or a month or a year later and go, oh, why did I say that that way? That's not, that's not the best. Um, So that precision sometimes can be a little bit of a trap, but it certainly helps me strive for doing my best work. And especially as I help people, a lot of what I do now is helping other people bring their writing to life and it helps me do my best work for them on their behalf man i i love so much about that answer um and hopefully we'll come back to to some of those thoughts as as we move into here uh move here into the big five but you just mentioned that part of your writing now is helping other people say what they want to say but going back to to your beginning when you realized that writing was what you wanted to do, um, well, let's just start here. Why do you write? <laughs> that seems like such an easy question to answer. I looked at it and I thought, oh, there's, that's a four word question. That's a piece of cake. No big deal. <laughs> and then I looked at it and went, oh, uh, well. Um, and what I came back to, and, and this has to do with a little bit, I've done a lot of, I hate to say personality testing, but, you know, strengths finder and kind of understanding how, how I'm made and how I'm wired. And one of the things I've realized is that I am a thinker. I am constantly reading and taking in information. And I mean, I'll read the shampoo bottle in the back of the shower. You know, I'm always trying to digest and pull that stuff in, which is fantastic for a writer because it gives me a whole lot of fodder to pull from. However, those thoughts can bounce around in my head like ping pong balls going all over the place. And it can be really overwhelming and it can be daunting to not really take cap, take captive my thoughts and take control of my thoughts and get them into kind of wrestle them into shape. And so when I, when I write, it helps me take all those ideas that are kind of bouncing around, maybe disconnected. And it helps me, make some sense out of them. So it helps me clarify my own thinking. And when I help other people, same thing, it helps me take all those ideas and kind of bring them 
together, kind of bring them into some kind of order, something that makes sense. And so, so I guess I have two sides. I have a personal side of why I write and a professional side. And personally, you know, honestly, I think I have something worth sharing. I, and Jason, you and I have had this conversation before about should I write about a specific topic or should I just share the way I write or the way I think with people? And, and it, I kind of landed on that second one that a lot of writers have a niche that they only do, you know, maybe it's songwriting or maybe it's leadership or maybe it's, you know, whatever fiction, it doesn't matter. But I try to bring those, bring my thoughts to life really through words and then professionally, I think people's lives and stories are interesting. So it's an honor to me to get to help people bring their message to life and to be able to just, you know, to share their story, to, to put their story out into the world, whether it's something that they're trying to teach or a lesson that they've learned from their own life. And so it's really an honor to come alongside people and turn that into something Again, it's it's tangible, right? That's one of the things I loved about carpentry. At the end of the day, I could see what I had built, and it's the same thing with writing. You can see what you've built, and it and it it sticks around as long as it's there. Now, you've alluded to this a couple times in your comments, and and I know what you're talking about. But for the benefit of our listeners, what do you do professionally as a writer? Um, how do you serve your clients? What kind of services do you offer? What is that? What does that world look like for you? So it's interesting because it's really evolved the last few years, um, and I, I've kind of refined what I do. The, you know, the older you get, the more you realize there's a lot of things you can do, but there's other things that you'd like doing, and you should lean into those things. And so, I over the past several years, I've done everything from taking books and turning them into workshops, doing courses, leadership development courses, writing email sequences, writing articles, you know, for magazines and things of that nature, collaborative book writing, just kind of you name it. You, you know, people don't think about everything that's written somebody had to write. And how's that for a real punchy statement? <laughs> Uh, but, you know, anything you see that's written, somebody had to write. Somebody's behind the scenes doing that. And so I've done all that. However, what I've really leaned into the past, especially the past year, is collaborative writing specifically for nonfiction books. So I've gotten into a pretty decent rhythm helping people who have a story, have an idea, have a perhaps some intellectual property that they've been teaching or speaking on and they really want to turn it into a book and, but they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to take all those dis disconnected ideas and bring them together into something that they can present to the world. And so that's really where most of my time has gone lately is collaboratively writing with other people. And so what I do is I will, I will interview them I'll sit down, you know, was doing it face to face primarily, but I've done a lot of virtual, you know, Zoom calls and things of that nature lately, but get their story, draw it out and then kind of separate the the noise from the the actual meat, the good stuff that that makes it and brings that together into a book. I, I love that. And let's so let's hold on to that tension if you don't mind for the next for the rest of the interview, I, I would I would really love, especially for people who are beginning writers and maybe they're not necessarily on the professional track right now, they just want to get started. But there's probably a chance that we do have some folks that are trying to make the transition and figure out how can I do what I love and make money at it. So you're, if it won't be too taxing, as I ask you these questions, try and I think it would just be cool if we could try and keep on those two tracks, that personal aspect of it, and then come back to that professional aspect. And if it doesn't work, you can just say, screw you, man, I don't want to do this. <laughs> um, and that'll be fine. I, I, I won't. But the second of the big five is what convinced you that you are a writer? This is another great question. So I've thought of, since I started writing, and getting a paycheck for writing, 
I really kind of kept hitting rewind and, and going, well, when, okay, now I'm getting an income from this. When was I actually a writer? Because, you know, it's interesting because in school you write because they force you to write. And some people like it, like you, your English degree, right? You, you enjoy it, you do it. But for most people, it's just something that, how big can I make the margins? How large can I make the font to get this done? <laughs> and so I was, I was digging around in some stuff one day and I found a laminated award that I got when I was in fourth grade for like the distinguished writing award or something. I don't remember getting it. I don't know what I wrote that got it to me, but somehow I have a laminated piece of cardstock that says I'm a writer in fourth grade. So now I say that to say that didn't, I didn't internalize, right? As I told you from my story, I kind of bounced around, but really what convinced me, I guess, is that I was a writer is I started a blog back in probably 2006. And the reason I did it was because I, I knew, only knew that by putting my words out into the world where people could react to them, that I would get some feedback. Can, and, you, can you hold you know, on right when you were starting? I started a blog in 2006, either your internet or my internet. Okay crapped out okay so you don't mind just going back to um that spot and kind of restarting that thought ah! that's just an audio marker so i know to to cut so okay. from 2006 i started my blog and just keep trucking so i started a blog in 2006 which was about the time that i was in seminary and i did it because I wanted to put my words out into the world and just see if they had any merit. I wanted to see if there was anything there and doing that really forced me to do the, do the work of writing. So what I would do is I would, it was, it was primarily, primarily a faith-based blog. So I would hear a sermon or this was, pre-podcast day, so I couldn't listen to podcasts, but I would read a book or something that really that would just a, a statement that would stand out or a thought that would come to mind. And I would just kind of riff on it. I'd write something um, in the vein of how do you do life? Like that's kind of always been my theme is like, I'm pretty transparent. <laughs> here's my, here's my life. Here's the lessons I've learned. Here's what I hope can help you. And that was kind of the vein of what I did. And as I started doing that, I started getting feedback from people that that were interested. I started growing my email list so people would enjoy reading what I would do. Um, I was asked to write like a, a thing that our church sent out. So it kind of kept me going, kept me consistent and really just kind of solidified in my mind that I was a writer. Um, however, to, to pivot to the professional side of things, um, and, and you, you kind of know this, I didn't necessarily believe it. I even struggled with it till I got my first official writing job, which is where you and I worked. Mm -hmm. And our friend and mentor said, I, I was questioning it one time. And I said, I still don't feel like a real writer. And he said, you know what? You take complex thoughts from other people. You turn them into coherent, a coherent message. You're a real writer. And for some reason, that just stuck in my head and it was almost like permission. Um, and, and I think that's a theme that beginning writers, you, you have to understand it's, you're going to doubt yourself. And Jason, you know, this, I, I was dealing with this today. I was reading something and man going, oh, what, what am I even doing? Why am I doing this? Like who's, you know, and then you read another thing and you're going, I'm amazing. I, I wrote those words. These are great. I should, It's a constant tug of war in your mind of, am I, is this really me or not? I, I mean, there's, there's so much there that I, I would love to, to unpack. Is, is there any other, I, you know, and for those, for those that are listening, I'll just go ahead and tell you so you're not in constant suspense. Jesse and I both served on the same writing team under Charlie Wetzel. Uh, and Charlie has been the longtime writing partner of a gentleman named John Maxwell. 
And so Jesse and I were on the same team for two years writing content for the Maxwell Universe. Um, but really, it, it turned into a great friendship, which I hope you're hearing in our, our dialogue. We've met countless times to talk about writing outside of the Maxwell bubble. Um, but it's one thing to write when you got a steady paycheck coming in and feel confident about your ability as a writer. And you and I kind of had reversed paths on this. I, I was a freelance solo writer for two years before I went in with Charlie. You came into Charlie, that was your first real writing gig. And then when our time as a writing team ended, you went into freelance. And so when you made that transition uh, without the security of uh, that paycheck coming in every month, how did you maintain that assurance that you are a real writer? What, when you moved into the freelance business, how did you hold on to that belief? Yeah, that's, that's a tough one for sure. Um, I feel like I need you to ask me question three about who's my greatest support slash mentor. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it ties into this, um, honestly. Okay. And, and, but that was tough. I mean, that was a really tough thing because when I took my job with the Maxwell team, I had a good, I had a solid full-time job that I enjoyed doing, but I felt this tug that I was supposed to write. Mm -hmm. And it was with much wrestling and prayer and in consideration that I made that jump. And so when that stopped, um, it, it, it kind of shakes you, you know, and, it, but at the same time, my story, jobs, jobs, the best jobs I've had have found me. And, and what I mean by that is I've worked very hard to be the kind of person that adds value to people that is impactful, that people like to work with, that people want to find some way to, to work with me, which sounds, even as I say that, it sounds so so <laughs> no, 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 that's, that's not immodest at all. I think that's yeah. a really, I think that's a really great tip for anybody, beginning writer, aspiring professional writer. If people don't like working with you, you're not going to work. You can be the greatest exactly. writer in the world. And if you're a jerk, nobody will want to hire you. So I think it's a really salient point to say, Hey, I strive to be somebody that people want to work with. I mean, gosh, we've, I loved working with you. And I loved working with you so much. It's like, that's somebody I want to keep in my life just as a friend, you know, in the hopes that maybe we do something again. And I mean, here we are on a podcast. So, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's a, that was a thing for me is knowing that, well, by that time I had, I had made it clear in my mind, you know, that I, I had some skills and I had the ability to do this thing. So I, I really believed in myself at that point. And I guess the other thing with growing up, being the son of a self-employed person who, you know, it's, it's a different life. That kind of entrepreneur bet on yourself life is different and it's difficult because it's always been feast or famine. You, you know, you always either have too much or not enough. And so there's always that tension of how do I manage the too much times to where, because there's this tendency to want to say yes to everything, which means you start doing things that you don't enjoy doing just because it's something you can do and you know how to do. Um, but then with that, that idea of it's the opportunity cost, right? Anything that I say yes to might mean I can't do the thing I really want to do down the line. And that's a tough thing. Again, the older you get, the more experience you get, you start to realize, okay, I'm okay turning this away because I think this other thing will come along. Man, I, I, I hope anybody that's aspiring to be a professional writer, I hope you paid attention right there because Jesse gave you really practical advice. Um, and I love that your experience as a blue collar worker prepared you for this season of life that you're now in because it doesn't scare you because you've been through it before you know that life. I sucked as a freelance writer because I was terrified. All I had ever known was security and that insecurity, that feast and famine that I just, the networking required, I just, I was no good at it. I'm way better at being creative and steady 
and then doing offshoots, you know, on the side. And I've always admired your strength, um, born out of that experience with your dad. That mean I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody make a professional transition as seamlessly as you did. And I know that's easy for me to say on this side of it. Um, and we did have conversations as you were struggling and, and walking through some of it, but you still had the ability to just keep your head about you and keep grinding out the work and believing that, no, this is what I'm meant to do. And just, I mean, you have, you have done some amazing things and worked for some, worked with some amazing people and are still getting to do it simply because of your attitude and your willpower. Um, I think, but, yeah, go ahead. I, I want to jump on that for a second. Just tell you the other thing I think that's important to keep in mind as a as a writer, really just as a person, is you've got to believe that your best days are ahead of you. Like you, when I look back on the trajectory of my life and my career to get to where I'm I'm at now, um, I have to believe that my best writing is ahead of me. That the best opportunities are ahead of me. That the the work I do today is as good as I think it is. And I try to make it, it's not going to be as good as it will be in a year or five years because I'm always growing. I'm always learning. I'm always, you know, being exposed to new things and, and new people are coming into my life. And so I think that's something to keep in mind as a writer. Uh, you can't, part of that fear goes away when you think, well, yeah, of course I'm not there yet because I've got this many more years to be here and to do this work and to do this stuff. And so um, I'm actually working with a gentleman now on a book and he made a, a statement about how you are in your twenties and your thirties and your forties and your fifties and your sixties and talking about, you know, when you hit your forties, which is where I am now, you, you kind of need to be starting to peak and in your zone where you can start to make money doing what you're good at. And you've kind of narrowed down, you know, in your twenties, you have no clue. You're trying to figure it all out and you're, you're trying to figure out well, what I could do everything. What should I do? You know, and in your thirties, you're training and you're building up and in your forties and fifties, it's like time to make hay while the sun shines. And it's kind of that mindset that, that sticks with me is I got to just keep pushing forward and know that I think you alluded to this on your first episode. Some days you spend all day in the chair and you write three sentences, but they're good sentences. Other days you, you write 2000 words and you're like, well, where'd that come from? You just, it's the consistency. It's the process that keeps going. And if you don't, if you don't keep in mind that you're going to be better, you got to get better tomorrow than today, it can be daunting. And, and then the, the doubt or the failure that you face today can feel overwhelming and wash you away. Well, and, and with that in mind, um, every writer is going to face those fears. And so it's really important for every writer to have somebody that can be a support, be a mentor, be a coach, an encourager, whomever. So who is your greatest support or mentor as a writer? So you're going to, with this answer, you're going to find out why I'm lousy at those quizzes where you have to just pick a gut question, an answer and go this one thing. So I'm going to give you a three-part answer, like a politician. By all means. So the first is, is my wife, Becca. And I say that, you know, it sounds like the cliche answer, right? To say your spouse, but you know, this, your spouse is with you through the ins and the outs and the ups and the downs. And, you know, when you're feeling blue and trying to be, everything's going to be great. You know, she's right there beside me telling me, come on, we're going to do this. But the reason I say it, that it was her or is her is because she's always encouraged me to find my path, even when that path was difficult for her. And she's kind of like you said, she's comfortable with security. And I've walked away from some decent jobs to find this path. And through that all, you know, she's had my back and she's, she's trusted me. And she said, you know what, I'll go where you lead. And it may be painful and it may be difficult. And, you know, now she's, she's, still with me on that journey and she's seeing how that has played out. Um, and, and honestly, you know, without her helping me and in, in speaking into what I do, I couldn't do it. You know, it would be, I would be just floundering. And so I think you, that's definitely my number one support. Um, the person that's in my corner always will be um, everything, you know, everything I do, she's there for me and, and with me in that. Um, 
the second thing I got, two, I got two. So outside of that was Charlie really for taking a chance on me. Um, and it was really, it's p- kind of cool the way I've told this story before, but the way I got that job, um, I, I was working full time teaching a friend said, Hey, there's this job with the John Maxwell company. You should check it out. And I looked at it and my brain immediately said, I'm not a real writer. I haven't published anything other than my blog, which at that point, by the way, I had written over a hundred articles and was 60,000 words. It was a robust, right? So I, I wrestled and prayed over it and was like, should I do this? Should I not? Took me two weeks to actually apply. So I sent my stuff in, got a call the next day. Can you do an interview tomorrow? So within three days, I was sitting down to interview for this position. And I remember I liked interviewing, so that wasn't bad. I enjoyed the process and all that kind of stuff and ended up getting the job. And Charlie said something about, you know, you're, you're, he was looking for somebody who knew how to write that he could train up. So he didn't need to train. He didn't need to teach somebody to to be able to write. I had to have that, but the polish and the refinement, that was what he was looking for. And so, you know, when he said that, he said, you're, you're rough around the edges, but I I'm willing to take that chance. And so that support, and of course the, the training over the years, working with him and the friendship that developed has been huge because he's, you know, he's been doing this quite successfully for a long time. Um, and then the final part I would say is you is, I, I know you can prop up your podcast host, but um, it, you are always encouraging for me. Like every time I need encouragement, you, you encourage me, but you don't, no writer needs somebody who just says everything you do is wonderful because that doesn't help. <laughs> you need somebody who goes, these three pages are wonderful, but you're falling a little short right here. Or, you know, this word could be better. or You could tighten this up here. And you've always helped encourage me right on, on the stuff that I've done. And then also providing kind of that clarity and that vision. It's, it's really tricky as a writer sometimes to get sort of down in the weeds and you're, you're kind of lost down there and you don't, you have to kind of almost like back out of it and go, is this, is this doing at all what I need it to do? Cause you can be, you can be working on one sentence trying to make it awesome and forget the whole rest of the thing you're doing. And so you've always helped me get those thoughts clear and, and try to make some order to that chaos and find kind of a through line through what I'm dealing with. I mean, I, for those of y'all that are listening, Jesse and I, I mean, my inside term for what Jesse was describing is, is vision mechanics, sitting down with somebody that's got a really great idea and just helping them get it out the way that they want to. Um, in my life's purpose, I've, I've been able to kind of hone it down. It's to just reflect what's brilliant in other people. And so it's really easy to sit down across from somebody like Jesse who has brilliance flowing out of his pores and just turn it back to him with a slightly different perspective. And this is, if you're an aspiring writer, or even if you're a veteran writer, let me tell you one of the reasons that I am so eager to sit down with Jesse is there's never been a time that I have given him something that he hasn't done something with it. Um, He never takes uh, my, you know, he takes what I say and he, he does with it what he thinks is important, but he always does something with it. He never just leaves it undone or fallow. He doesn't say, oh, that's that man, that's awesome. And then, you know, comes back with the exact same problem next time. And so I love sitting down and pouring into, um, pouring into Jesse uh, because I get as much out of it as he does. It's, it's inevitable that whenever we sit down, he's going to turn it back around and help me in some way. Uh, and I, I love, he- I always love hearing your story uh, going back to Charlie, uh, because when I applied for the job, my, my process was like a five week process. It, it was like, I, there was, I think there was like a two and a half week period where I heard Jack squat after sending in my resume and I'm like reaching back out going, if I suck, just tell me I suck. Yeah, that's fine. Have I done something to offend? Yeah. <laughs> have, have I unknowingly upset you? I don't know. Um, because one of, and I, you know, this is one of my very first freelance contracts was actually doing a project for the John Maxwell company. And so I thought, 
surely that would be at least now nah, it, it took a while um and so it's always funny how fast the process came for you and how long it took for me um and especially to sit down and meet you and you're like you know all i've ever done with the blog and you're beating yourself up and my resume was a little bit different because i had done freelance and so there were magazines and scripts and all sorts of stuff on there um, and yet at the same time, Charlie's whole point was, is I needed people who knew what it meant to put their butt in the chair and do the work. Um, and I have respected that and learned that about you from day one. And I have always loved and appreciated that, especially some of the, I mean, cause we got thrown right into the deep end with Charlie. I mean, and the stuff that we got thrown at us in the first five or six weeks if Jesse was not the real deal, he would not have survived. But I me, mean, he took to it. I mean, I, I'm telling you, people, there is not. There are very few writers I've ever been around that are as good as him, um, just because of watching him and his capacity for growth and immediate application. It's it's really um, amazing. Uh, all right, let's move on to question number four. What is the toughest lesson you've learned about writing? Toughest lesson I've learned is that it's very easy to start. It's very difficult to finish. And I, I, I am living proof of that because I have many manila folders sitting on my desk of fantastic ideas that are half started ideas and half started books. And it's, you know, it's, it's just very easy. It's, I go back to the construction analogy. When you watch the home improvement shows on TV, what do they do? They go in there and smash things apart with a sledgehammer and the demo is fun, right? Because it right. busts it to pieces and then you got a mess and you got to do something with it. And so it's tough to keep pushing. And, and it goes back to your message about keeping your butt in the chair. You know, it, it's, it's fun when it feels like it's flowing and it feels like your fingertips are inspired and they're flying across the keyboard. And this is great. I could do this forever, right? And then you you hit the you, you feel it come to a grind and it, I don't know if it's like that for you, but for me, sometimes I can feel it coming. Like I'm going and I'm kicking it and everything's great. And then the next thing, you know, I'm going, that wasn't a good sentence. That wasn't great. And you just grind to a halt. Yeah. No, go ahead. I, I don't know what it's like to have to grind. Every, every time I sit down to the keyboard, it's like unicorns just flow. Just go. Yeah, just uh, you know, fairies come in and uh, no. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm still, I'm 10,000. Right. I mean, the whole reason I started this podcast was because as I was writing the book, it was like, I, this would be fun to talk about these kind of lessons with fellow writers. And so I have all the reason in the world to get it finished and every time I open the document, it's like gerbils came in and nibbled my fingers down to just the knuckles and I have no ability to type. Um, and so it, it really, I mean, it's a, I'm at 55,000 words. All I need is 10,000 more. And that 10,000 is four times harder than the 55 that came before it. Yep. And I, I think that's an absolute spot on observation how does does it apply equally between your personal writing and your professional writing or is it a little bit harder with one over the other I think it applies equally um and I think when when I even hearing you talk about your own book I think the difficulty is it's hard to know when you're done sometimes like there's this thought that is it good? It gives back to that. Is it good enough? And so you feel like you need to just keep pushing, keep grinding, keep going. And, you know, sometimes 55,000 words is, is the book. It's enough. And, and you, you have this picture in your head of it should be this much. But then when you go back and look at it, especially if you take some time away from it and you see it and go, that's actually really good the way it is. Um, so yeah, it's definitely hard. I, on one hand, it's harder when it's working for somebody because it's their their stuff that you're trying to deal with. So you're trying to 
to see if you have the, the right raw material, if you've pulled the raw content out of their brain. On the other hand, it's easier because you don't get paid if you don't finish. So there's a big carrot at the end of that stick to, to chase where with your own thing, you, and you alluded to this earlier, if, if, if I don't finish my book, in other words, I don't know that I'm going to get paid when I finish my own book. You don't know that you're going to get paid when you finish your own book. You hope you do. You hope you sell a lot of copies, but you really don't know versus working for somebody. You've, you've done the deal. You've got the agreement and I'm going to get paid X amount of dollars to do whatever the scope of work is. Then you're done and you know it. So, but it's definitely a challenge either way to, to, to start as easy to finish is very difficult. I, I hope that you, if you're an aspiring writer or Lord, even if you're in the, the middle of it, the way Jesse and I are, um, I hope that resonates with you. And I hope it gives you encouragement that if you've ever been really good at starting, um, don't be surprised if you're not as great at finishing. Uh, in fact, John Acuff has a really great book called Finish because he struggled with finishing his own projects. And even after authoring that book, still struggles to finish projects. So it's it's a universal thing for, I think, writers and creatives, but it's definitely something, go ahead and get it in your mind so that when you run across it, it doesn't cripple you. All right, last of the big five, what do you hope your writing, both professional and personal, will accomplish? Uh, I hope that the words that I write inspire, encourage, entertain, teach and uplift. You know, you once told me one time that my, my writing was winsome. And then after I looked that up to see what that meant, I realized, yeah, that's, that's actually spot on. And, you know, I hope that the words that I write, and I hope you get this from even this interview is I don't really take myself too seriously. I'm a work in progress and I'm always trying to be better for for myself, but, but for the people I love and for the people that I work with. And I hope that the words that I put out into the world help people. And one of the cool things about writing is you don't, you have no idea what words you will say or put on paper will help people. And I kind of learned that when I was teaching, when I was teaching I taught in this program for at-risk youth, and this isn't writing, but it's kind of in the same vein of just the, the words that come out of your heart. And I would have students come up to me, and these these kids were were broken kids, you know. I mean, they're they're teenagers, they were gang situations, they were single moms, there's all kind of stuff. And they would come up to me and say, Mr. Barnett, I want to be like your grandpa when I get older. I'm like, my grandpa, what are you talking about? And they're like, Oh, you shared that story about how your grandfather paid double house payments so that he would he would pay off his house because he had been through the depression. And I think that's so cool. I want to do that. And I'm sitting here thinking, I don't even remember saying that, but the words came out of my, my head, you know, and, and another kid who was brothers and sisters were in gangs and something I said, he pulled me aside and said, I think I want to be a police officer. Wow. Okay. So you're, you never know what your words are going to do for somebody. And, and I'm, I think now more than ever in this, in the world, man, you need, we need kindness. We need good stuff out there. We need, I almost feel like I have a responsibility to put good words out into the world because there's so much negative and so much anger and so much frustration that if I can say something or write something that, that just changes the way people think or makes them feel better about themselves, then I think it's my responsibility to do that. I, I love that. And I, I love, uh, what I love is, I think it's kind of the unspoken piece if you never know what words are going to connect, but mm -hmm. the ones that usually do aren't necessarily the ones that you labored over the most, although sometimes that's true. Sometimes the ones that connect are the ones that just, like you said, flow naturally out of your heart. Mm -hmm. um, because like, as you were just saying, there's not enough of that in the world. There's yeah. not enough authenticity. So many of us are posturing or trying to be a persona or whatever. Yeah. Man, if you just write and speak from the heart, there's no telling what will really land with people. Um, golly, we could stay, we could make that into the answer to this, to the next question, which is the big idea. Um, so we got about 10 minutes to spend on this. Um, yeah. 
and then I want to get into how people can find you online and everything. Uh, but what is the one piece of advice? What's the one big idea that you would give to an aspiring writer and why? The big piece of advice I would give is to trust your instincts. And the reason I say that is because there are all kinds of different writers out there. There are different voices. There's different styles. There's different, um, you know, even the ways it looks on a page looks differently. And while I read a lot and I try to internalize what is good writing, I realize that I have a specific style that's that I've developed that's my own. And that really is my kind of my secret weapon. And I think when you the quicker you can learn to trust your instincts and just go go where your heart takes you, go with what you need to do, the better writer you'll be because you're not trying to be somebody else. You're not trying to, to sound a certain way. You're just you. It's, it's like on this, on this podcast, if I was trying to talk with a British accent or sound more intelligent than I am, it would come through as, who is this guy? He's a, he's a fake, right? And so I think when you trust your instinct, it allows you to do a couple things. One is, you know, sometimes writing is kind of like going into a dark room with the light off and you got your arms out in front of you and you're just kind of feeling around trying to see what's out there and you're trying not to bang into things or, or hurt yourself when you trust your instincts and you know how this is if you get up in the night you, you know how to get around the corner of your bed and get to your bathroom and and get in the door without banging into stuff and it's kind of that same thing you just push forward where you're thinking you should go and just see where it takes you because a lot of what what the best writers do is instinctive it's hard to know how to teach it and you, you sharpen those instincts by listening to your gut. And sometimes you listen and you, you read it the next day and go, well, that's horrible. And that's okay because you, you got it out and maybe it's horrible here, but maybe it's going to be good in another place. But you can't, the, the quicker you can trust those instincts, the, I think the more authentic you are and the, the better you are as you go. Where, where did you first learn that lesson in your career? Like, can you think of a project or something that you were working on where you were just like, screw the noise, I'm going to go with my gut. I, I would be curious to know if, if you could identify a specific project or moment when you were just like, this is it, I'm going all in. Um, that's a good question. I, I, think, I think it gets back to really just how I'm kind of wired, like how I'm made. And my wife and I were joking about this the other day about she says why and I say why not. You know, I, I she likes to plan and I like to wing it. And it's like we're we're good that way. We work we work well together. Um, but it's kind of that mindset of, well, okay, this is the this is the honest, this is the gut honest answer that's not really flattering for me, but I I don't like working for people. I like working for myself. I'm a much better boss of my own than I am with working for other people. And honestly, it's probably because I've seen a lot of people do things not in the most efficient way. And so it's just, it's frustrating to me to go, well, why should I do it that way when this way is better? And it, again, it sounds egotistical because obviously I don't know everything, but at the same time, you know, it's like, I want to find the quickest path through. I want to, I want to know how do I get there? And I want to go and I want to get there. And so that I think involves trust in your gut. Now you have to balance that with, there's a whole lot of people I listen to that pour into me that speak truth and pull on the brakes and go, whoa, 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 hang on. So I, I think you have to listen to that as well. But I've always, I've always tried to, to kind of follow my instincts. And you know, the, the other thing is I, I'm a person of faith and I know God has a plan for me. And I'm doing my best to be obedient and go where he leads when he leads. And when you do that, it kind of allows you to take your hands off the wheel and go, all right, I'm going to walk through the next open door. I'm going to talk to the guy I'm working with now says, take the next uncomfortable step. And that's really what you have to do is take the next step. That's you're not jumping off a cliff, but it's going to push you. It's going to stretch you. It's going to make you a little bit uncomfortable, but that's where you grow and that's where you learn. And that's where you can refine what it is that you should and shouldn't be doing. 
It's, it's so funny. This, um, so I, I don't think I've, I don't know if I've mentioned, can't remember if I've mentioned this on the podcast or not. I've mentioned it in other podcasts that I, I help host, but um, I was diagnosed with cancer, as you know, back in March. And one of the first things that we, you know, we're people of faith. And so we, we feel like this was something God spoke to us, but it was an intuitive thing as well. And it, it literally was take the next step, whatever it is, take the next step. The, whether it's challenges in life, challenges in a writing project, the only way out is through. And the only way you get through is if you take that next step. And, and sometimes your gut is going to say, well, maybe it's this step or maybe it's that step. That's fine. Trust your instincts, wrestle it down. If, if you're not sure, go get counsel. If you get bad counsel, hey, look, I've gotten down to third and fourth opinions with where I'm at. But once you feel like you know the direction, step towards it. Because if you don't, you, th that's, that's why the world is, is littered with unfinished manuscripts, because some writer froze in the middle of the page and refused to take the next step. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, love, I love that advice because one, it's, it's so genuinely you. Um, but two, man, I think it's something that is a distinctive, um, it's just something every writer has to learn at some point. If you never learn to trust yourself, you just, you're just going to be stuck. Mm -hmm. um, all right, we're down to about 10 minutes left, and, and I want to make sure that we get this down for the peeps to, oh, Lord, I just said peeps. Peeps. I think I'm going to edit that out. You're so hip. Um, I am. You should have, uh, I'll show you. I uh, scared my daughter to death with this today. I, because I have cancer and I'm going through chemo, I was freezing my butt off this morning in a, at 55 degrees. And so I've spent the majority of the day dressed like this. That's and uh, so if you, you can't see it, obviously, because this is a podcast, but I have on a beanie and it goes over my glasses. And I just look like the world's lamest 45-year-old hipster. Look like um, a skinny M and M kind of. Oh well, that's even better. Um, I'll take that. Uh, but um, <laughs> I just knew this was what I had to do to stay sane today. My fourteen-year-old walked in, looked at me, and she was like, uh, "And I was like, you like it? This is what I'm wearing to your homecoming pictures." Awesome. Um, anyway, I don't know why I went through that, but um, connections. I, I want people to connect with you. Um, so, where can you be found? Or what's the best place to find you on social media? Uh, what is your website? And what projects are you in the middle of promoting or working on where people can go learn more about you? Cool. All right. So the, let's start with the website because that's really the best place to find me. Okay. So my website is just barnettwrites.com. So B-A-R-N-E-T-T-W-R-I-T-E-S.com. And you, when you, if you go there, you'll see that tension of kind of my personal things that I want to do and the professional that I can do. And the, you know, it's, it's a really interesting, I, I built that site and it was really interesting to try to do both and say, here's what I can do, but also here's some things I've written. So you'll see some articles there that I've written a couple of uh, eBooks and stuff that I have. And um, so, yeah, that's a good place to find me. Um, my goal with that site is to really create a bunch of free tools that I can send you that help you maybe, you know, learn how to make an impact with your life or um, just all kind of different little free, free things that you can grab that'll help you just be a better writer, be a better person, live a better life, really. Um, so that's the best place to find me that way. Um, I have, <laughs> this will show you how bad I am at social, because I almost said, I have a Twitter, I have a Twitter account. Let's edit all that out. Okay. You can find me on Twitter at Jesse L. Barnett. And that's probably where I'm most active on social. And then I also have a Facebook page kind of for my business and that's at Barnett Writes. And so that's something I kind of hope to actually do more with because I know I need to that's the writing lesson is to keep putting yourself out there. And I've kind of, the busier I've gotten professionally, the more I've neglected the personal side of things. 
So let me recap real quick. So barnettwrites.com, and I'm glad you mentioned the tools because I literally, just before you said that, I wrote down toolbox is great. Be sure to highlight. So when you go to barnettwrites.com, click on the toolbox link. Uh, If you're going to find him, uh, you'll most likely find him on Twitter at Jesse L. Barnett. He's a great follow and he's very responsive. There's a lot of interactions. You'll enjoy it. And then Facebook pages at Barnett Writes. And again, just go and, and check him out and, and some, show him some support. Throw a like his way. Do uh, you have any projects that you want to promote? You've got a, a lot of ebooks. You've got a lot of different things out there that you have done. Uh, what's something that you're proudest of that you think people would enjoy? Okay, so the coolest thing that I'm working on right now that I'm really excited about is I am working on building a course called StoryScriber. And there's actually a link to that on my page. It's StoryScriber.com. But there's also, and there's a kind of funky way to spell it. But what I, the reason I'm excited about this is because I've always been kind of an old soul. I've always kind of loved to talk to people and get their story, learn the lessons from their lives. And really with the whole COVID epidemic thing, it kind of got me thinking we're disconnected from people. We're, we have a perfect opportunity to, to communicate. And so the, the gist of this course is to really to teach you how to interview a loved one or a mentor to capture kind of the lessons from their life and their, and their really their wisdom of their life and to turn it into a book that you can share with the world. So if you go check it out, I mean, I would love feedback on it because it's it's kind of a thing I'm working through. That's the project that keeps getting kicked to the back burner. But I think it's something that really has the power to, to impact people. I think everybody's got a loved one that they've lost that they wish they knew more about. And then there's just people that you just kind of life happens and you don't think about that their life is a story. And that story has great, great depth and great wisdom. So I really I'm building that to help people learn how to connect, to make it really easy, really straightforward, and really action actionable. Do these things, and when you do them, you'll have a really compelling story that you can share with the world. I, I've been privileged enough to see some of the early workings of, of this course, and, and uh, way back when COVID first started out, and he was kind of pitching me the idea. He walked me through the website, showed me some designs, showed me some of the course samples. Uh, this is absolutely worth your time, especially if you're a beginning writer and you don't know how to interview very well, or you just want to learn how to be better at it. This would be a phenomenal investment for you in your portfolio. Uh, because again, Jesse does have a winsome way about him. He knows how to frame a question. He knows how to ask a question with heart. He knows how to take an answer and really drive to the soul of what was said, Uh, not just the words, but the meaning and the heart behind it. And I think it's something that you would really benefit from, especially if you're just getting started out, it'd be a great investment. But even if you've been in the game for a while, there's always room to improve uh, your ability to interview and and talk with others, as I uh, very aptly have demonstrated with this interview today. Uh, I definitely have room to learn. Um, so Story Scriber, if my memory's right, S-T-O-R-Y-S-C-R-I-B-R.com. Correct. Right? Correct. Woohoo! Good memory. Chemo brain hadn't got me yet. All right. <laughs> well, man, we've got just a couple of minutes here before we kick off anything that you want to say. Any parting advice you want to leave with the listeners? or? Uh, well, Yeah, let me just, first of all, thank you. I've really enjoyed having this conversation and um, your, your interview skills are fantastic. So you you know, just how to pull out the good stuff. So I appreciate that. And just, I would just say a word of encouragement that just keep going the, the do something every day, do a little something every day. I think sometimes in life we kind of overestimate the finish line and we forget that it's a, a thousand steps along the way. And so that process every day, you do a little bit more and you learn and you grow. Um, even if it's just recording your thoughts or listening to a podcast and, and something that, that somebody said springboards a thought in your mind, that's what writing is. It's taking those thoughts and connecting them. Um, and the, uh, the thing I would also say is if you're trying to write 
kind of nonfiction to help teach people um, really think through who you're talking to and how you can be helpful. And I always try to keep that in mind because I've read a lot of stuff that's just out there and it's just words on a page, but it's not really helpful. So if you can be helpful to people, then your writing's going to sing and it's going to, it's going to land with the people it should land with. Folks, that is exceptional advice from my friend, Jesse Barnett. Like he said earlier, stay with it, take the next uncomfortable step and think about what people need to hear more than what you want to say. If you can do that, you will continue what it means. Uh, you'll, you'll continue learning to write and write well. So Jesse, thank you for your time. Thank you for all of the insight and just being open and honest with our listeners. And uh, I was glad to have you on, brother. It was awesome. Glad to be here. Have a good one. You too, man. All right, folks, that is Learning to Write for this week. Be sure and come back next week where we'll have another guest and another episode that will teach you how to be a better writer. <laughs>